Good morning. Um, today's reading is from 2 Chronicles, um, chapter 7, verses 11 to 18, which is the Lord appears to Solomon. Most of this reading is, 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 is God speaking to Solomon, so it would be much more powerful if I could do a Morgan Freeman impersonation, but I can't, so please use your imagination. So the Lord appears to Solomon. So when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, he had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace. The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you... If you walk before me faithfully, as David your father did, and do as I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I have covenanted with David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor to rule over Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we remain standing. Father, we just pray, Lord, as we come into your presence today, that you'd speak to us, that you'd come by your spirit and you'd speak this word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Thanks so much for the warm welcome and for those listening online. It's great to finally be with you um, in person and We're continuing a series this morning called The Christian Atheist, and we're thinking about this phenomena of people believing in God, and yet their lives look very different to that. And and sadly, it's often the case that many people who would profess to be a Christian, they say they're a Christian, and yet their lives don't really match up to that. They don't, if you like, they don't have any real mark in their lives of following Christ other than they go to church on a Sunday. There's no in a transformation of the heart. There's no real fruit of the Spirit evident in their life. And there's this kind of, I suppose, nominal Christianity, which I was brought up in, and I myself was guilty of this, where you kind of go to church on a Sunday and you think that that makes you all right. And, and you may have some background of going to church all your life. I was 23 years old, having gone to church all of my life before God met me and, and brought me to my knees in repentance. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You cannot get to heaven unless the Holy Spirit has done heart surgery on you, removed the heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. Religion is going to save no one. Church attendance will save no one. Only a regeneration of the heart that leads to true repentance and faith will bring about salvation. The Bible says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. We all need to examine our hearts. 
In fact, a, a while ago, I had a very mild health scare. I, I had a, a, an irregular heartbeat. And, and every time, for, for several days afterwards, when I got out of breath, I would just check my pulse, you know, just to check that my heartbeat was right. But I think we also need to check our spiritual pulse. Is it right with my heart this morning? Is my, right, is my heart right with God? And as we think about prayer this morning, you know, the way that we pray and whether we pray at all, the things that we pray for will actually expose a lot of where our hearts really are with God. And so looking at this passage that we've had read out in, in 2 Chronicles, and we see uh, King Solomon, he just finished building the, the temple and he consecrated it in prayer and offering many sacrifices that were pleasing to God. And God appears to Solomon in a dream and he warns Solomon that there would have to be punishment for the unfaithfulness of Judah at some point and Israel at some point. He would judge Israel's disobedience. There would be droughts, there would be locusts, there would be plagues. But God also says he would be willing to relent of that judgment. And so God says to Solomon, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. And there are three things that God is calling his people to do with regards to approaching him that I think we can learn from this morning. The first is humble themselves. We need to humble ourselves as we come to God in prayer. Remember who God is and remember who we are. The psalmist in Psalm 8, I love these verses in Psalm 8. The psalmist is just in awe of God. He says, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Like, he is almighty God who created everything and he cares about me and yet I come to him as as small and pathetic and needy as I am and he's concerned about me. The Lord's Prayer opens with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are addressing almighty God when we approach him. We have to remember that he's perfectly holy and righteous and our, our hearts are full of sin and impurity. And we only get to approach him because his son died on the cross in our place. If my people who are called by my name, his wonderful name, we approach the name above all names. In fact, salvation itself, being a Christian, comes from humbling yourself. Recognizing you're a sinner who needs forgiveness. You know, many people say, I'm a good person, but that's pride. You don't recognize you're not good. Only God is good. God is good, and we are sinners who need forgiveness. We need redeeming by the blood of Christ. And a true Christian is utterly and totally dependent on God. That's why Jesus says, unless a person become like a child, that's like to humble yourself with a childlike dependence on God. You only have to look at children and how dependent they are on their parents, and they're they're not shy to come to their parents and and tell, tell them what they want. And we're meant to be like that with God. We're meant to have that childlike dependence on God, to be completely dependent on him. I wonder this morning, does your heart long for God? Do you recognize how badly you need him this morning? I wonder, is your confidence in God and in God alone, or is your confidence in yourself? We need to humble ourselves before God. And then God causes people to pray. And not just to pray. I mean, lots of people pray. You know, non-Christians will pray. 
at various different points. And if God answers the prayer, they think, well, that's handy, and they just carry on as if nothing ever happened. Or if God doesn't answer the prayer, they'll just say, well, that just proves my point that God doesn't exist. Lots of people pray to all kinds of deities all the time. But the Christian comes to God and prays with sincerity, with the heart. The Christian seeks his face. The Christian has a hunger and a longing for God. That is to approach God with that humility and sincerity, recognizing you need him, to call out to him, to focus fully on him, and wanting to have your heart aligned fully with God. I wonder this morning, do you want to have your heart fully aligned to God? Is your desire for him? And God promises Solomon that he would hear, he would hear and he would respond to the kind of prayer And that sincere prayer, that cry of the heart, God would hear and he would respond. And throughout 2 Chronicles, we see time and time again that God is true to his promise, as he always is. Just a few examples. King Jehoshaphat, when Judah was surrounded by her enemies, and and Jehoshaphat cried out to God in desperation, and he said to God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God delivered them. King Hezekiah of Judah also cried out to God to deliver them from the king of Assyria. And God heard his prayer and delivered him and a nation from the Assyrians. Another really powerful example is King Manasseh of Judah. King Manasseh was such an evil king. He even sacrificed his own son to pagan gods. This was, this was a king who led Judah into all kinds of idolatry. And yet when he was caught by uh, the Assyrians, he cried out to God. And, and despite his, his sin and his great evil, God heard King Manasseh, heard his prayer, forgave him, and brought him back to the land. God always hears the sincere prayer of his people. He's always willing to respond and to forgive and heal his people. Prayer is more than just saying a prayer when we, when we remember to. It's getting into that deep place with God, pouring out your heart to God and listening to what he has to say to us. In the Gospels, the Lord Jesus Christ, you notice he's always going off to quiet places, retreating to, to pray, and he taught his disciples to pray. And he encouraged them to pray that they wouldn't fall into temptation, to be alert and keep praying. The Apostle Paul, in several of his letters, he's constantly reminding to people to pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Be devoted in prayer. Cover everything with prayer. In fact, James in his epistle reminds us that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The kind of prayer that we're called to is that sincere prayer where we we put our phone and and all our distractions to one side and our heart is completely focused on God. We're, We're praying to him and we're focusing on him. And I really believe this whole pandemic is God wanting to shake us as his people and bring us back to prayer. In fact, in the, in the first lockdown, I don't know if you can remember uh, what it felt like at that time. My concern is that I feel we've got so used to the pandemic now in some ways that we forget how weird it felt initially. But I haven't lost sight of that. And I know that in the first lockdown, I was so disturbed in my soul that I prayed like really I'd never prayed before. I was constantly going off on prayer walks or praying on my own, gathering friends online, praying, and we had kind of WhatsApp groups where we were constantly sharing what we felt God was saying. We were in this attitude and and heart of prayer constantly. And you can think that sometimes that prayer is boring. I don't know, maybe 
You've had experiences in the past of rather dry and boring prayer meetings. But I promise you, when you gather with other people and you pray seeking after God, it is anything but boring. Once you start praying and you start praying properly, when you start seeking God's face and you, and you hunger after him, you'll find that you don't want to stop praying. You find that the things you pray for become spiritual things rather than mon- the mundane. And what do you pray for when you pray? I wonder this morning, what do you pray for? Do you pray for the spiritual things, the deeper things of God, or are you more focused on the material world? You know, our, our prayers, I think, often expose where our heart is really at. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for earthly things, but, you know, if, if, if all you ever pray about is that tricky business meeting at work or, or some kind of, you know, problem in, in, with your family or whatever, or you were praying for some kind of earthly need, not that those things are wrong, but if you're only ever praying for those things, then really there's a sense that you're kind of not seeking after God's heart. Because the more you seek after God's heart, the more you want to become more like Christ. The more you want your heart to be changed and your, your prayers start to become more focused on God. Very often our prayers expose where our hearts are really at. It's when you go into the deeper place with God that you'll, you'll find your heart will change and so your prayers will change. They will have more to do with seeking God's heart And that leads to true spiritual intercession. You know, a good example of this is the prophet prophet Habakkuk. He intercedes for God. He prays for the state of Judah at that time, the idolatry. And he calls out to God for God to transform and change Judah at that time. And when we seek the face of God, our prayers really come to life. I wondered, when you're praying, do you find yourself like Habakkuk, praying for the idolatry and immorality in our nation? Do you find yourself praying for revival and an awakening in the church? Praying for the lukewarm, comfortable Christianity and apostasy in the wider church? And praying that God would bring true repentance and revival in the church? Only this last week was praying with a few uh, friends in Aldershot, across in Aldershot. And we were praying, and, and someone suddenly started praying for a Rushmore revival. And I just really grabbed hold of that and thought, that is a wonderful thing to pray for, a Rushmore revival that God would pour out his spirit around here. And do you find yourself praying that God would use this pandemic to change hearts and bring people back to him? That's what it looks like. When we seek God's face, our prayers suddenly become much deeper and more profound. We are thinking about the things of God and not just our own immediate needs. And lastly, God says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. Repentance. We are called to repent and turn away from godlessness and walk in obedience and and holiness. The Apostle Paul says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God wants his people to be serious about repenting of sin and to walk in holiness and obedience. God says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. God is saying, you need to take your relationship with me seriously. You need to do away with your pride. Remember, it was pride that cast Lucifer out of heaven. 
Get rid of your pride. Humble yourself. Pray sincerely. Seek my face in prayer. Turn away from your sin and walk in righteousness. And then God promises, then I will hear from heaven. God hears all of our prayers, but it is the sincere prayer of the heart that pleases him most. And God says, I will forgive their sin. The whole Bible is concerned with the sinner repenting and coming back to God and receiving forgiveness in Christ. Time and time again, Jesus would say to people when he healed them, your sins are forgiven. Because he didn't just come to heal and save the the body, but the soul. Christ came to save the soul. And only in Christ can sins be forgiven and and souls set free by his death on the cross. And finally, God also promises, and I will heal their land. God promised that he would overturn the droughts, the locusts, and the plagues. If his people would humble themselves, if they would pray sincerely and turn from their wicked ways. As I close, I believe the call is clear, and I believe it has been right through the pandemic. I don't know how well the wider church has really caught on to this, but in this time of crisis, I believe as the church we need to lament and grieve our sin and the sin of the nation. And it is up to us as the people of God to humble ourselves, to pray and seek his face, to intercede for the mess that our nation is in. No one else is going to. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? The unbelieving masses are not going to cry out to God without a great move of the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts of sin. A conviction that would lead to a true repentance of the heart and and a a faith in Christ. I believe the call to prayer is deeper than ever. It's it's greater than ever. God is calling us to pray in a way that perhaps we've never prayed before. But he wants us to lean into praying in a way that our hearts are aligned to his heart and we're praying into the things that he wants us to pray into. I'd just like to invite the band back. And why don't we stand in the presence of God. So why don't we all stand? And as we stand in God's presence and we meet with him, we humble ourselves. God is here with us this morning. He's here with, by his Spirit. Psalm 85 says, Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? And this is a prayer I really want to pray myself, and, and if you want to pray this as well, that God would revive our spirit the psalmist goes on to say, will you not revive us again? Lord, will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Father, we stand before you. We humble ourselves. Holy Spirit, move in this place. We're sorry for the ways 
that, that our lives have not glorified you. We're sorry for the times where we have not really prayed the things you've put on our hearts. We're sorry, Father, for the times we've kept silent when we should have spoken in truth and we didn't. We're sorry, Father, for where we've just perhaps gone lukewarm and all of us can find that apathy creeping in, that sense of boredom, that sense of frustration. But Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you revive us again? May we rejoice in you this morning. Would you revive in every single one of us here this morning the joy of our salvation? That our hearts would be filled with your spirit. Our hearts would be filled with your joy. And that joy would overflow into worship. It would overflow into prayer. Just before I left my last church, um, right at the very last Sunday before I left, a lady came up to me and she said to me, please could you pray for me, Gareth, because I want to pray, but I just don't seem to be able to. And And I said... Well, that's good that you want to be able to pray. And I started to pray for her and praying that God would help her to pray. And I just got the word for her, just open your mouth. Just open your mouth. The Holy Spirit will, will move your heart and the words will come out. And if you're here this morning and you're someone you think, I, I just can't pray very well. I'm not good at, uh, at prayer. Just open your mouth. Praise him. Thank him. If you don't know where to start, just read a psalm. And let those words move your heart towards him. And so, Father, we pray that we would be a church that prays and and gets your heart and intercedes for the things that you want us to intercede for. So, Father, we pray that you would pour your spirit out afresh on us, restore us again, and revive us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.